You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, this is Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm talking today about car seat safety. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Elisa Baer, who's also known as the car seat lady. She's also a nationally certified child passenger safety instructor. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So first off, how often are parents inappropriately using their car seats, either in the installation or in positioning? So we know from studies that nearly 95% of all parents are not using their car seats properly, and it's something that parents do not improve upon. Usually you get better at changing diapers (laughs) when it's your second kid, etc. This is not something people get better at. Uh, Mm -hmm. And a recent study found that uh, at least half of all seats have five errors, with the most common being that the child is too loose in the seat Mm -hmm. and the seat is too loose in the car. Well, 95%, that's basically everyone. (laughs) Yes, and it cuts across all educational levels, all socioeconomic classes. There are slight variations within those groups, but you could have an advanced degree and you could have not finished high school and your chances of doing it improperly are Mm -hmm. nearly identical. Right, I know a lot of it pediatricians who have installed their own children inappropriately and felt silly afterwards, but we know that it's not as easy as it looks. And it's one of the many things that I think pediatricians going through medical school and training think that you learn everything, and then once you have your own child, you realize that there's many things that are Mm -hmm. not covered in a residency that pertain to raising children, and this is actually just one of many skills that are not taught. It is a learned skill, Mm -hmm. it's not innate, and Uh, It is not covered well in pediatric training, despite it being the leading cause of preventable death and injury to children in the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why we're glad to have you here. So what are some of the common mistakes that people make with, let's start with infant car seats? So in general, the most common mistakes, as I was saying, are loose and loose. So the child buckled too loosely, which that will extrapolate not just to infants, but to any child Mm -hmm. using a five-point harness. Uh, And then the car seat is too loosely attached to the vehicle. And that the goal is that the child and the car seat become one with the vehicle to be able to take advantage of the energy-absorbing features that the vehicle has built into it. Mm -hmm. When the child is too loose and or the seat are too loose, they move more in a crash. The Mm -hmm. child comes to a more jolting stop. And it also increases the risk of the child's body, specifically the head, hitting hard structures in the car. Uh, So in terms of harness straps being loose, the most common mistake we see is that parents don't realize that there are two steps to tightening the harness. Most people think there's just one. And the one that's obvious is most most car seats have what you will think of as like a tail, a strap that hangs down that is obvious that you pull to tighten. But if you just pull that, while you remove the slack that's right up at the very shoulder area, Mm -hmm. all the slack that's below the chest clip in the belly and the hips, often five, six, seven inches worth of slack will hide out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the key things when working with parents uh, or with your own children is making sure the straps are snug. And to do that, you need to add a second step 
Think of it like a dance. Mm -hmm. So one of your steps is the obvious of pulling the tail, but the other is to take the shoulder straps and firmly pull them upwards. Okay. You'll want to have the chest clip low at the belly while you're doing this to give you room. Mm -hmm. So you'll be pulling up at the shoulders, that gathers your slack, then mm -hmm. pulling the tail to remove. Mm -hmm. Then repeat the dance, up at the shoulders, mm -hmm. up at the tail, until when you come to pull up at the shoulders, there's no more slack to gather up there. Mm -hmm. And just a finger will slip in at the collarbone. That means it's not too tight, mm -hmm. which everyone worries about, but no one does. Uh, and it would be too loose if you could pinch any strap uh, at the child's collarbone or if two fingers would fit away from the body like a salute. Right. And then after you do that, you slide the chest clip back up. Correct. The chest clip, um, of all the things that you could do, uh, has the least, it's the least important part. Right. It's, it's very... We want to encourage parents to use their seats properly, but what will save the child's life in a crash are the straps being snug. Mm -hmm. The chest clip is a positioning device that's used to help keep the straps if they stay on the shoulders. Mm -hmm. So while the child is wiggling and squirming during the car ride, the straps don't fall off the shoulders. Mm -hmm. But the straps being properly snug, that is what will save the child's life during a crash. And then the seat being snug in the car, Correct. it shouldn't move, right, more, more than an inch, mm -hmm. is that what you say? Yeah, so when you grab it at the belt path, so where the seat belt or the lower anchor strap is holding it, and you pull towards and away from you, it should move less than an inch. Mm -hmm. And an important part is also talking about, for forward-facing children, there's an additional connection strap that parents need to use that we know from studies that only about a quarter of all parents that have forward-facing children are using the strap mm -hmm. and using it properly, and that's the tether strap. Mm -hmm. That's a strap that connects the top of every forward-facing car seat. There's not even one exception to this rule. <laughs> every forward-facing car seat has a tether strap, mm -hmm. and all cars in the U.S. since 2000, basically since 2000, there's a few exceptions, but very few, mm -hmm. have tether anchors in at least three positions in the car. Mm -hmm. And so this strap, by connecting it to the anchor in the car, holds the top of the car seat back, mm -hmm. which in turn will decrease how far the child's head moves in a crash by at least four to six inches. Wow. Four to six inches can easily be the difference between the child's head striking the back of the front seat or not, mm -hmm. which means that tethers are a very important way of reducing TBIs mm -hmm. in crashes. So every forward-facing car seat, regardless of how you're connecting it, whether you're using the seat belt or the lower anchor strap, always gets the addition of the tether strap. Great. That's a good thing to know that a lot of people probably aren't doing. Correct. Yeah, we know that only about a quarter of all kids riding in forward-facing car seats have their tether strap connected and mm -hmm. properly tightened. So in terms of a pediatrician looking to make an easy intervention in the mm -hmm. clinic setting, uh, if you know that the parent is using a forward-facing car seat, mm -hmm. talking to them about the tether, making them aware of it and that they need to be using it, mm -hmm. uh, that in a crash can do more than most other interventions mm -hmm. uh, in terms of it's harder to get the seatbelt or the lower anchor strap tight, right. but the very tight tether strap can compensate for a lot of other misuse that's mm -hmm. done. Great. We know that preterm infants undergo a car seat test before leaving the birth hospital. So what are we really testing with this? And are there any precautions that parents should take even if their baby passes this test? It's a good question. So this is still an area that's undergoing a lot of research. Mm -hmm. We don't fully understand it yet. Uh, so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that children born before 37 weeks are under 2,500 grams, mm -hmm. or those who you think might have a respiratory condition or increasingly those with congenital heart disease and mm -hmm. uh, other congenital anomalies might also- uh, Put them at risk. Correct. for 
for either respiratory anomalies uh, or just they have other structural anomalies, so Pierre Robin or mm-hmm. certain things that would set the child up either for having trouble keeping up their oxygen level, mm-hmm. keeping up the respiratory rate or their heart rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't fully understand why the semi-upright position that a car seat offers is a stressful position, but we do mm-hmm. know that if you put a full-term healthy newborn in a car seat, um, over time you will notice that the heart rate and oxygen level decrease. Mm-hmm. It is, you're not doing CPR on them. Right. You have to have them hooked up to a monitor to notice this, but mm-hmm. it says to us there's something stressful about this. Um, we don't know if there are certain car seats that are more prone to, to having babies experience this difficulty than others. Uh, we know that uh, there are certain things you can do to help a baby fit better in a car seat mm-hmm. to increase their chances of maintaining their heart rate oxygen level and respiratory rate. So one key risk factor would be uh, for positional asphyxia where the chin Mm -hmm. falls down to the chest. Uh, And so making sure that these small babies are fitting properly so that the crotch strap is as close as possible Mm -hmm. to their body. Mm -hmm. The shoulder straps are as low as possible to their shoulders and Mm -hmm. the straps are very snug. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those can help with positioning. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as what should parents know about? The thing is, we don't want babies using car seats, whether they were preemies or full-term babies, mm-hmm. other than in the car. So this right. shouldn't be the primary stroller seat. It shouldn't be the the seat you have them nap in every day in the house. Right. Um, especially for preemies, uh, we also would caution parents against using semi-upright devices in the house as mm-hmm. well rock and plays, swings, bouncies, things like that, Mm -hmm. uh, where the child could also have trouble Mm -hmm. for reasons that some are understood, but some might not be. Right. Great to know. Uh, Sometimes parents think that the car seat is the safest because, again, we have it associated with safety in our head. So it's helpful to know that it's safe in the car, but not not a position for other places. So one important topic actually for pediatricians to talk about with families with young babies in infant car seats is that Mm -hmm. there's actually significant risk to babies who use these seats out of the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a study showed that there's nearly 10,000 infants every year in the United States that visit emergency rooms with head injuries due Mm -hmm. to drops and falls from their infant car seat when it's used out of the car. Um, We also have strangulation deaths that occur to babies in car seats. Those typically happen when a parent had the child fall asleep in the car, brings the child into the house to finish their nap, and a well-meaning adult comes by, feels bad about leaving the child fully buckled. So they undo the crotch buckle, the Mm. child wiggles while they're sleeping, they Mm. strangle on the chest clip, and it happens quickly enough that the adult doesn't notice. The other thing we've seen are asphyxiations where people put the child to sleep in it in the house. They don't Mm -hmm. do any of the straps because the child was just going to sleep in it and the child wiggles and slouches enough that their chin falls to their chest where they can't pick their head up. Mm. So there's two important rules that every parent should know about with the car seat. Number one, the straps are always fully buckled and fully snug, Mm -hmm. even if it's just in the house, just on the stroller, no justs. And number two, that the seat is either locked into the car, locked onto the stroller or placed on the floor, Mm -hmm. not on beds, tables, cribs, counters, restaurant, high chairs, shopping carts. Uh, this is a significant source of injury to children. Mm-hmm. And with the strangulation and asphyxiation, it's obviously worse than injury. Right. Those are good, good points. When do children typically need to transition out of their infant seat into a convertible or whatever their next stage is? 
most typically all transitions are going to be more driven by height mm -hmm. rather than weight just based on how a lot of the seats are designed right. obviously this varies by child so for the infant seat most infant seats in fact most rear facing seats in general mm -hmm. have a height limit where the child's head must be at least one inch below the top of the seat right. that's just a margin of safety because rear facing kids tend to slide up the car seat in the crash mm -hmm. we want the head fully contained right so Typically somewhere between 9 to 12 months, the right. average baby and the average infant seat will be too big for it. Uh, and then they'll go into a convertible seat. That's mm -hmm. one that starts out rear-facing, mm -hmm. needs to stay rear-facing at least until the child's second birthday, hopefully mm -hmm. longer. One common misconception amongst parents and pediatricians alike is that the leg length is an indicator of being too big for rear-facing. Right. That is actually far from the truth, right. but it's hard to continue to dispel this myth because it's one of those things that looks obvious. Mm -hmm. A rear-facing child in a frontal crash is going to move the front of to the front of the car. Mm -hmm. That's the physics of it. Right. That child is going to tuck up into basically like a cannonball position <laughs> during a crash. So they are going to end up super scrunched in that moment of impact, mm -hmm. and that is not a mechanism of injury. Right. So however scrunched the child starts, uh, they could be sniffing their knees if they want. Mm -hmm. um, it is not a source of injury. It's also not uncomfortable. As we know, children have much more range of motion, and the mm -hmm. ankle knee and hip joints, right. which allows them to sit in positions that you and I perceive as uncomfortable because mm -hmm. our bodies can't do that right. thanks to puberty and all the changes <laughs> that go along with that, but they can easily do it. Right. So rear facing until at least two, hopefully longer in the convertible seat. Mm -hmm. And then the next transition now that they've gone forward facing would mm -hmm. be from forward facing to a booster. Right. And the first thing to talk about is nomenclature because it's important when discussing with parents that you are talking about a booster and meaning the same thing as they are. So oh, car seat. meanings? Yes. Okay. The confusing thing is there's a lot of seats that start as car seats and turn into boosters. Right. And so some parents will say, well, can I use a five point booster? That's kind of like saying, can I wear shorts and pants? Right. You know, they, they, you can't have, they're not, yeah, the same. they're not the same. So the first thing is to define what you mean by a car seat mm -hmm. and what you mean by a booster. So car seat means the child uses a five point harness as right. their restraint, as opposed to a booster seat, which is a positioning device where the child uses the vehicle seatbelt as their restraint. Mm -hmm. So the transition from car seat to booster we want kids to be at least five. We want them to be at least 40 pounds. And the most important part is that they are mature enough to sit properly in the booster for the entire trip, mm -hmm. which means that the child isn't slouching. They aren't leaning over. They aren't playing with the seatbelt. Because right. riding in a booster is really just riding in a seatbelt. And you right. have to be ready to stay properly positioned. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so those would be the first series of transitions. Mm -hmm. And then uh, then this transition from booster to seatbelt yeah. will happen a lot later than people expect. A lot later. Most people <laughs> don't make it that long. Correct. And we know that based on our injury data. Mm -hmm. It's it's quite clear that they're not. So the reason kids sit in a booster seat is to make sure that the seatbelt stays properly positioned on their body, mm -hmm. which doesn't stay properly positioned for two key reasons. One, their body is not fitting properly on the vehicle seat, mm -hmm. and two, the seatbelt isn't fitting properly on their smaller body structure and right. bony structure. So uh, in terms of when you can ride safely without a booster, mm -hmm. that's when you fit properly on the vehicle seat and the seatbelt fits properly on your body without the help of a booster. So there's five simple questions we ask. Mm -hmm. And if you say yes to all five, the child is ready to transition out of the booster and into a seatbelt, which typically happens around age 10 to 12. Okay. So the five questions, the child sits with their back all the way against the back of the vehicle seat with their knees then going naturally over the edge. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't go over the edge, the child will slouch 
And as soon as you slouch, the lap belt is in the belly, and mm -hmm. it is the lap belt that causes the catastrophic injuries to these kids. We see massive abdominal organ injuries and also lower mm -hmm. spinal cord injuries leading to paralysis. Mm -hmm. So steps one and two, back against the back of the seat, knees bent naturally over the edge. Got it. Question three is that the lap belt is low and flat on the tops of the thighs, so nowhere near the belly. Mm -hmm. We need it to be on the strong hip bones. Mm -hmm. Step four is the shoulder belt should be comfortable between the neck and the shoulder. Mm -hmm. If the shoulder belt rubs the neck during a crash, it's not going to harm the child. It might cause a minor abrasion, mm -hmm. but what's exceptionally dangerous is when the child is irritated by the shoulder belt rubbing their neck and they put it behind their arm mm -hmm. or uh, under their arm or behind their back. That is exceptionally dangerous. We right. see increased risk of head, spinal cord, abdominal organ injuries. Everything increases because there's nothing holding the head and torso back. Mm -hmm. And question five is, can the child stay like that the entire trip? <laughs> Which, does that matter how far you're traveling? Like maybe a no. child's attention span? Good question. So as far as the sitting properly the entire trip, uh, usually by the time you're getting to these questions, the duration of the trip isn't going to affect whether they need a booster or not. Mm -hmm. And that usually if a child is going to want to slouch, mm -hmm. they're going to do that within the first minute or two okay. if their knees aren't going over the edge because... Not it's just exactly it's mm -hmm. not comfortable to have your feet sticking out mm -hmm. uh, so there could be a child who's not ready for it but in many cases if they're not ready to sit properly right. the whole trip they might not actually have been ready to sit properly in a booster mm -hmm. and might need to consider using a five-point harness longer mm -hmm. um, the other thing is also behavioral intervention so mm -hmm. setting clear expectations uh, around proper safety behavior mm -hmm. in the car and enforcing those. Right, okay. One question that parents ask me often when they only have one child mm -hmm. is, is there a safest seat in the car? Obviously, once you have multiple kids, yes. you have to kind of pick yes. your favorite child. But if you have only one child and one car seat in the back, is yes. there a safest place to put it? So the center is statistically the safest spot of the car by a small margin. So mm -hmm. I don't want a parent who puts their child on the side <laughs> to in any way feel like they've endangered their child. Right. Um, the child is typically actually the safest person in the entire car, especially mm -hmm. that new baby because they're right. rear facing. So. Right. Um, but the center can be a nice spot to put if you have just one child to put mm -hmm. them in that rear-facing seats, as many parents can tell you, take mm -hmm. up room into the front seat. Right. But a lot of them, when you put them in the center seat, if you, depending on how your car is arranged and which mm -hmm. seat you pick, but a lot of them will tuck nicely between the two front seats, right. letting the front seats come all the way back, giving mm -hmm. the child the room that they need. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing to know about why to put a child in the center, uh, if an adult is going to be riding in back, uh, the adult might be better protected on the side and that mm. the adult is going to need a shoulder belt and mm -hmm. a head restraint. Right. And the center seat sometimes they doesn't have, have one or both of those. Right. Good point. Uh, which while we're talking about adults in back, one really important intervention that pediatricians can help uh, with is two things regarding seatbelt wearing. So one, uh, pediatricians often interact with pregnant moms. Mm -hmm. And we know that one of the key causes of fetal demise are car crashes amongst mm. pregnant women and a lot of pregnant women don't know how to wear the seatbelt properly right. and so just like we're talking about with boosters that the lap belt when the kid has to be low and flat on the tops of the thighs yeah. the same on the pregnant mom so mm. reminding her as the belly gets bigger to make sure the seatbelt 
uh, to lift the belly up, mm -hmm. put the seatbelt low, mm -hmm. snug the belt up, and then let the belly go on over top because mm -hmm. that lap belt needs to be on her hip bones, nowhere right. near the uterus. Right. And then the other thing when talking about buckling up with adults is that every adult buckles up, especially in back. Because mm -hmm. studies show if one adult rides in back without a seatbelt, the people who did buckle up in the car, the kids or the adult who's driving, mm -hmm. are up to three times more likely to die in that same collision mm -hmm. because now the adult becomes a human missile. Mm -hmm. And the G-forces make them weigh several thousand pounds, not their usual several hundred. Mm -hmm. So one intervention beyond just getting the kids in car yeah. seats is getting the adults to buckle up. Great. I also think of it just as role modeling, right? If Correct. you don't wear your seatbelt, why is your kid going to wear their seatbelt? It's a very important point. You've published buying guides for car seats on your website. So is there a best car seat or does it depend on variables like the type of car and the number of children and things like that? There is some variability. Uh, and having put in more than 15,000 car seats, I've realized that there are certain car seats which are more likely to install securely mm -hmm. in, in a wider variety of vehicles uh, and are narrower in the places you want them to be narrow, mm -hmm. such that they're more likely to fit side by side next to another car seat or three across. Right. Uh, so in that regard, yes, there's some that stand a better chance of being more versatile in that way. In mm -hmm. terms of safety, there are certain features that we know that if you put them on any seat will make a seat safer. Mm -hmm. uh, when we were talking about tether straps, right. they're found on every forward-facing seat, and mm -hmm. if you test the same car seat with and without the tether strap, it is much safer with it. So right. that's a feature that's found on every seat that's mm -hmm. forward-facing. There are some features that are only found on select car seats uh, that could make a seat safer. Mm -hmm. All of the seats in the U.S. have strong minimum safety standards that they must meet so mm -hmm. parents should feel comfortable knowing that whatever seat they choose as long as they have used it properly which mm -hmm. again that's right. a really big if but when they have done that that will keep their child safe uh, in terms of thinking about features to look for uh, when you look at a convertible seat looking for a high capacity rear facing seat so mm -hmm. height is going to be how most kids will outgrow it mm -hmm. sooner than weight uh, and then for forward facing, looking again for a higher height capacity so mm -hmm. that it will take your child until they're five or six and mm -hmm. ready to come out of that and into a booster. Mm -hmm. And then for boosters, also looking at height capacity because again, mm -hmm. most kids are too tall before too heavy. So right. uh, weight limits are not as relevant for the average child as the height capacity. Right. Good to know. What are some tips that we should give parents who are traveling with car seats by airplane? And do they need a car seat on the airplane? Yeah, so uh, the reason that it's legal to travel with a child on your lap is simply because the airlines have powerful lobbying groups to get mm. exactly what they want, just like tobacco is legal for the same <laughs> recent lobbying groups. Children, unfortunately, do not have powerful lobbying groups. Yeah. So it is not a sign of that it's safe to hold a child. Uh, during turbulence or worse, the G-forces mm -hmm. become excessive and mm -hmm. such that your arms, uh, a front carrier, you know, a baby mm -hmm. Bjorn and Ergo, etc., cannot hold the child. Mm -hmm. uh, so having the car seat on the plane is important to keep the child safe should there be turbulence or worse. Mm -hmm. But the other reason to have the child in the car seat on the plane is that you're going to need a car seat to leave the airport. Right. Most people aren't going to walk, you know, out <laughs> right. of the airport. So um, if you've checked your car seat, mm -hmm. the airline can have lost it or broken it. And then right. that car ride is also at risk. Right. We also recommend trying to bring your own car seat to avoid renting a car seat. Mm -hmm. 
The rental agencies, just like they won't guarantee you the vehicle that you were looking mm -hmm. for, also will not guarantee that a car seat is waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes parents show up and they only have boosters for your six month old or infant seats for your six year old right. uh, or no car seats left at right. all. Uh, and that can put you in a bind. Mm -hmm. So in terms of travel friendly seats on my website, I have some recommendations. So that's the carseatlady.com forward slash airplane tips, mm -hmm. all is one long word. You can see recommendations about seats that might be more travel friendly for different age groups. So mm -hmm. infants to bring along an infant carrier that clicks into a stroller, that will be easiest to get the car seat through the airport with yeah. the child. Uh, and then those in toddler car seats uh, to use a rolling cart. Mm -hmm. uh, there are several on the market that just basically have a luggage extension handle, right. rollerblade wheels, and it straps the car seat so the child can be in the seat while you're dragging it through the airport. Right. Uh, there are There is one forward-facing seat that weighs 10 pounds and rolls up into its own travel size bag mm -hmm. that can be extra portable, kind of looks like a large briefcase when you mm -hmm. carry it. Uh, and then certain booster seats that are easier to take with you. Some mm -hmm. now fold in certain ways. Mm -hmm. You can put them under the seat in front of you. Mm -hmm. But trying to keep the car seat with the child at all times mm -hmm. when you travel and thinking about if you will be traveling outside of the U.S., there might be some issues with the vehicles you're going in mm -hmm. that where they might not have the same features like the lower anchors of the latch system or the right. tether anchor of the latch system right. or the seatbelt locking feature where here in the U.S., if you pull a shoulder belt slowly to the very end, almost right. all of them switch into a locking mode designed mm -hmm. specifically for a car seat. So mm -hmm. for those traveling abroad, you want to do some research to make sure that the car seat you're bringing will be able to accommodate to the vehicles you'll be going in. Good tips. So tell us about the Car Seat Lady services and where we can find you for more information. So the Car Seat Lady uh, has a large website, thecarseatlady.com. We're on social media, so the Car Seat Lady on Facebook and Instagram. And we also have a large YouTube channel which with a lot of instructional videos. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the Car Seat Lady with the number one at the end. Uh, as, and then on our website, we have lots of resources, all of them. Uh, are independent of any manufacturer mm -hmm. uh, sponsorship or influence. We have no ads uh, or anything like that, including on our social media and YouTube channel. Uh, and people can also find advice on buying a safe vehicle for the family. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of the times the problems start because families bought the wrong vehicle for their needs. And so that's another resource that we've been developing mm -hmm. uh, quite heavily. Uh, for those living in the New York City or Baltimore areas, you can also get one-on-one -on -one instruction from us where we'll help you select uh, a seat that will be best for your child, your car, and your travel needs, and then meet with you to help it, you learn how to properly install it. Great. Unfortunately, we're not nationwide with that, but our YouTube videos can hopefully help with some of that. Great. That's an amazing resource yeah. um, that I know yeah. I have taken advantage of <laughs> and you have helped yeah. me buying uh, cars yeah. and car seats yeah. in the past. So and thanks so much for that service. And the other thing is uh, I have also started giving pediatric grand rounds. So it, for those listening in other parts of the country, mm -hmm. if your program would be interested, this is something uh, mm -hmm. that reach out and we can see if we could arrange for that. Great. Well, thanks so much for everything you do to help us keep our patients safe <laughs> and to help us educate our patients about how to use their car seats safely. And we will look for you uh, on your social media and your website. So thanks for coming to Philadelphia. Thank you. As an editorial note, this podcast was recorded before the updated AAP car seat recommendations were released in late August 2018. The new recommendations have removed mention of age two as a minimum for going forward facing and are recommending that parents use their convertible car seat rear facing until its maximum. 
Most convertible seats now go rear-facing until 40 to 50 pounds and can accommodate kids in both height and weight rear-facing until at least three to five years of age. It is now law in 12 states that children ride rear-facing until at least age two. We will provide an updated link to these recommendations on our website, which is www.chop.edu slash pcppodcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash pcppodcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you.